Our text this morning is in the book of Luke, chapter uh, 23, chapter 23, and we'll begin reading with verse uh, 32. Luke 23, verse 32. Let's read this together. And there were also two others, malefactors, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the male factors, one on the right hand, one on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And they parted his raiment, and they cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God, and the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Because over the cross, the superscription was written in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, or thieves, which were hanged, railed on him saying, If you be the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other one answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing that you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say to you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. And so there, Luke's portrayal of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Here were three men. And they were consigned to the to the crosses there. And they were, they were to undergo what was, what was in the Roman mind the most terri- terrifying, horrifying, torturous kind of death that they could devise, at least for the masses. A Roman citizen could not be, could not be crucified. But here... Jesus and these others came and each carrying their cross. This up, already the upright piece of the cross was planted in a hole waiting on them. And they were stripped naked and their arms were stretched out on the cross piece. And their arms and legs were jerked out of joint to render them helpless. And their hands were nailed to the cross piece. And their body raised to an upright beam about two feet off the ground their feet would be. And those feet were spiked to the upright beam. And they were left hanging, body extended, ribs pulled. Ribs could be counted, every muscle drawn tight. 
for the agony that they would suffer beyond endurance. Lips were parched, tongues swollen, throat drawn and dry. No wonder the victims cursed and struggled and screamed. But not so with Jesus. And to humiliate Jesus further, they planted Him between two crosses. Two other murderers, two other thieves were there. And uh, we have to remember that this was the way of this was the way of the Romans. And they had been given this task. And the soldiers, as we said last week, hated, they hated the Jews. And so when uh, these men were hanged, there was a little bit more spite than even perhaps usual uh, was given to them. Three crosses. The center cross is the cross of Jesus. And we'll call it the cross of redemption. The cross of redemption. The cross that frees us, saves us, delivers us. Someone wrote it like this in a song. I know not how that Bethlehem's babe could in Godhead be. I only know the manger child has brought God's life to me. I know not how Calvary's cross, a world from sin could free. I only know its matchless love has brought God's love to me. It is the cross that really speaks to us about God's love. God stretched out His Son, arms open wide to say, I love you. And it's through the preaching of the cross that people are brought to Jesus Christ. It's through the preaching of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that men are convicted of their sin and women and young folks convicted of their sin to give their life over to God and come and ask God to forgive them. It took something like the cross. You, think, you may think you're too far away. You're too far away to be forgiven by God or have anything to do with God. I'm saying now that's not the truth by the teachings of the New Testament. It is for every one of us right where we are. The message of the cross is for you today. It's a cross of reconciliation. It says in one place, He came that we might be reconciled. First words from Jesus is stated here in Luke. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he, we might very well see Him looking at the Roman soldiers who put him there, the centurion who was the head of the whole thing, are looking out beyond to that crowd, that mob that was cursing him and calling out. Maybe we see him addressing them. We do. But I want you to know this is a statement from the cross for all time. God was doing something for all time through His Son Jesus. And part of it is, I'm offering you forgiveness. I forgive you. If you're willing, I will forgive you. And so he's rec- there's reconciliation. He's making, he's making a way that we can have peace with our God. People of all times, peace with God can be found through Jesus Christ and His shed blood on the cross. It says Paul said in one place, We who were far away are made near by the blood of Christ. 
That's how far we can come. You say, I don't deserve it. I sure don't deserve it. Not one of us in here deserves it. We're all so separated from God by ourselves, our egos, our pride, our sinfulness. And you can list your sins underneath all of that as everybody else in here can. It's through the cross that we make our peace. It says, Paul said over in, uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 19, 20, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now we're ambassadors of that message. We have that message to share. If you've experienced that, then you are an ambassador. What do ambassadors do? They go and share with somebody how to make peace. That's what every Christian has a task and an opportunity and a privilege. Hey, I made peace with God. And this is how, I, this is how it happens. This is how it happened for me. That's a, great, that's a great thing to be able to share with someone. It's the cross of peace. And we could go beyond that and think about the cross of reconciliation because you know one thing about our sinfulness that happens is it tends to affect others. It, it tends to come into our life and break other relationships that we have. And so the cross is not only for reconciling ourselves to God, but reconciling us with others. Once we've made our peace with God, then we have the means by which we can be at peace with others. We can, we can say like Christ has said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. People, when they sin, don't really know the full extent of what that means and where to lead them and how far away they can, they can come, not only from God, but from my own family members, from our neighbors, from our friends, from our co-workers, from people that we, that we meet every day. The cross of re- redemption. That's that central cross. It's the cross of reconciliation. It's the cross of regeneration. Verse 43 says, says these are words. These are words to the dying, you see. Verse 43, let's see. It says, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. These are, these are words of hope, words of peace and power, new life. Paul said it again in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We all are going to memorize. I had it memorized. Let me get started with it, okay? Therefore, that's what I needed, the therefore. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The cross of redemption, that central cross, is the cross of regeneration. The Bible says we really are dead in our sins, spiritually. But through Jesus Christ, we are regenerated. We are given new life. We are cleansed. And the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and gives us a new life. Have you experienced that in your heart? Is that something that you've known in your life? the forgiveness of sin and the regeneration that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. I love that picture of that that man who had accepted Christ and that big smile on his face, that breakthrough in his life, to know that he had a Savior. And also in that case, he had a church home. He had a place. He had a family. That's very important. Your church is real important to you. I was was just trying to think as I thought about that up in Detroit. You know, I think about places all across the world. And I thought about here in our own county, there are literally hundreds of meeting places. 
I'd say well over two to three hundred, it may be, maybe more, places that are meeting together. Little families meeting together to worship. It's a great to have a peace and a reconciliation and a regeneration in your life. It's a cross of, of reconciliation. It's a cross of regeneration. And this central cross is a cross of invitation. Whenever we witness for Jesus, whenever I preach, there's always an invitation. It's not my invitation. It's not from me. If it was from me, you know, I might could get, you know, two people in a telephone booth. It's the invitation is from Jesus. He said, I, when I'm lifted up, will draw all men to myself. That's an invitation. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, we're celebrating in many ways the passing, but also the life of Billy Graham. And that was a very simple message. He was giving the invitation from Jesus for us to receive Jesus as Savior. And so it took, it took something. It took, it took Calvary. There was a, there's an old story out of, the, out of one of the world wars, and, and it was an English soldier who was converted in the trenches. He was converted while he was on the field. And, and um, he wrote back to his mother, and he wrote to his mother these words. He said, this had to occur that I might be saved. He's talking about being in the trenches. His mother showed the letter to her minister, and she remarked that her boy was maybe unduly magnifying the importance of his salvation. And the minister said, I agree with your son, lady. It's not only this war, but it's Calvary. It took Calvary, the cross, to save your boy. God can use things in your life, predicaments in your life, situations in your life. Some people have been praying for others. And uh, as if somehow that we could just maybe somehow shake them up and they would accept Christ. Sometimes God works in our life through situations. What's going on in your life that God is using to call you back? closer to the Lord or to the Lord. I've heard a lot of people in the hospital rooms and they're sitting up looking at the ceiling and talking about how God is working in their life during that time. Somebody said, God's got to put you on your back to make you look up. It might might be sometimes. But whatever predicaments or experiences you're having, you may be having others. They're really working on you. Well, there are also invitations. Invitations from the Lord. The cross of Jesus is the cross of peace and power, and it's the cross of God's pleading. And that's the Holy Spirit. It's not, you know, when we witness to someone, sometimes we think we've got to be able to persuade them that somehow we've got to have an argument of some kind that'll just, you know, solve all the other arguments. It'll be the answer to every question they may have. That's not the case at all. It's not the case at all. We're sharing, we're just sharing our experience. How we met Christ. We're not arguing. We're not trying to use it. We're not going to exaggerate it. You know, I know I exaggerate sometimes as a preacher. I'm sorry. But in our testimony, we're not to exaggerate to try to just persuade somebody to do something. That's the Holy Spirit's work. That comes by praying and it comes by sharing. And so it is a cross of invitation. 
Jesus said it plainly. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, that's an invitation Jesus Himself gave. One day we're going to be setting sails for the other side. Some of us are closer than others. We don't know when that moment may come. And when we go to meet the Lord, do you have the peace of Christ in your life? Have you made that peace with Him? Have you accepted that invitation that He has given of His Son, Jesus? Have you repented of your sins and said, I will come and give my heart to Christ and I mean business for my whole life. For my whole life. And so that central cross is certainly central, right? The second cross we might call the cross of rejection. There, was, there were two thieves there, worse than thieves. There was one that represents the response, you might say, of many. And that would be the response of not receiving or rejecting. The cross of unbelief. It's a cross that identifies with this world. Even this thief on the cross was in some ways really identifying with the cold crowd that had put them all up there. He said in, um, let's see, verse uh, 39, and one of the thieves which were hanged railed on him, joining in with the crowd and saying, if you be the Christ, save yourself and save us. That's the taunt. That was the taunt from the crowd. And so basically he had joined the crowd. Now, it's, 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 it's inconceivable to think why. Perhaps he was jealous Barnabas, you know, got away. We talked about Barnabas. Barnabas, Jesus was allowed by Pilate to take the place of Barnabas. I'm sorry. Barabbas. How many of you caught that? Sometimes I throw out things like that just to see if you're, see if you're on your toes. Barnabas was one of the good boys of the Bible. But you know what? As good as he was, he was still saved by the message of the cross. But this thief was there on the cross and he blasphemed and cursed. It's the cross of the blind, of the spiritually ignorant. He would not, he, he could not see anything but what was around him, the temporal. His life, his life fading now. But he still was seeking to cling to this life and the things of this life. He focused on this life. A life that he had wasted, basically. He wanted to be saved, not by the cross, but from the cross. He was on the cross and he was soon to die. He was thinking of his physical, his present predicament. You know, troubles don't always wake us up. We can get to the place where they basically don't cause us to look up. They cause us to whine and cause us to... They're irritable. Troubles can be irritating, can they not? Would you all agree? Can I get a nod out of that? Okay, I got you. I'm going to ask for an amen at a better place. This is the cross of the lost. He prayed. He did speak to Jesus. Did he not? He spoke to Jesus. We could call that a prayer, but it went unanswered because 
It was unrepentant. It had no faith. And so in a way, he entered death and the beyond and hell with a so-called prayer on his lips. But it wasn't a repenting prayer. It was a prayer still tied to himself and his, his life and not his soul. He was, he was as near to the cross of Jesus as anybody else could be. He could almost reach his hand out to Jesus. And yet, his prayer brought him nothing. The Bible says it kind of like this. So godly sorrow works repentance. But the sorrow of the world works death. So there is a sorrow that doesn't lead to repentance. But then there's another cross. There's the cross of redemption, the cross of rejection, and this third cross is the cross of repentance. The cross of repentance. And there on the other side of him was this thief who softened at last his heart to God. Now, in the other Gospels, it talks about both of these men kind of railing against Jesus at some point. But there's something happened in this man's heart. This sorrow that he had turned to the Lord, turned to heaven, and turned and, and, and there was a change in his heart. There was an honest confession of sin. Verse 40 and 41, the other said, the other actually kind of rebu- re- re- rebuked. I want to say rebuked. That's not it. Rebuked. Saying, do you not fear God? Seeing you're in the same condemnation that we're in. We're here because we deserve to be here. This man's done nothing. And so he did. He he began to soften. His heart heart, uh, looked to his own heart and he began to repent. It says, "We've, we've done this justly. This is our due reward. He was admitting his own heart. He was admitting where he was. And then he had a prayer too. And you see this in verse Verse 42. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm. He looked over to Jesus, remember me. He didn't say, get me out of here, get me off this cross. He didn't say, save me from this. He said, remember me in your kingdom. He looked to the one who had this sign over his head that was put up mockingly, hatefully, the king of the Jews. And he knew this was truly the king. He said, when you get into your paradise, please remember me. When you get into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So that other cross, this cross of repentance, this is a cross of a new destiny. This man's whole direction in life was changing in a moment. In the last few moments of his life, he had, that, he had that breath of hope. And there, basically, you could say on his deathbed, he made this commitment to Christ. Don't wait till your deathbed. You want to have that worked out before you get on your deathbed. Because you don't even know 
how conscious you'll be on your deathbed. And will you even have the ability to make a commitment? So this is not something to say, I'm going to wait to my deathbed. You may very well be waiting way too long. You may not even have the heart to do it like this other thief. But here was a man and he was almost hand to hand to Jesus. He's, he's almost saying, Lord, just take my hand. I'll go with you. I want to go with you. Just remember me. You don't have to save me from this. Just remember me. Just let me be in your, your heart. And he, so he was so close to the very end. And that day he walked arm in arm with Jesus. And Jesus called paradise. Some of you have put this off a long time already. You may be older. I'm here to tell you, the invitation is still good. If you'll repent, you'll lay down that pride. You know, the older we get, the more proud we get. The harder it is for us to say yes. But this this is the time. If God's speaking to your heart, He's luring, He's pulling you, wooing you, you might say, by His Spirit. Here's two people at death. One prayed to be spared, Christ was silent. One prayed a spiritual prayer, Christ heard him and answered his prayer. One met death grimly. And the other met death, even in his situation, I would say, with a grin, with a smile, with a thanksgiving. Many of us have made commitments to Christ in our life. We have accepted Christ as our Savior. But there's still something holding us back. There's still something waiting on us. There's still something we can, we can still walk for Jesus. We can still commit to Jesus. We can still give our whole heart to Christ. Maybe we've not been wholehearted and Jesus' invitation is still there. He's calling His people. He says, you need to come home. You need to be back and really mean business in your heart with the Lord. And there's some here today who have never responded to Christ. They've never accepted Christ. And today, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to your heart. This is not my pressure, my words to persuade you if His Spirit is speaking to you this may be the day for you. Will you think about it? Let's pray together. There's probably been a lot of prayers prayed on our behalf. There's somebody out there that's praying for us. But we've got to ourselves be humble enough to to, um, ask God to forgive us our sins and come into our life. We've got to be humble enough to say, I'm not going to hold onto my heart with pride. I'm going to give my heart to Jesus Christ and I'm going to seek to live day by day with His direction. I believe the invitation is plain. And I want to give you the opportunity today to, to say yes. We're going to be standing here in a moment and We're going to give this invitation hymn.
we're going to sing. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart today. Won't you come and give your life to Him? And so, Father, we love you and thank you for Jesus, our Savior. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that speaks to our heart. In His name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. What are we singing? 294? Is that right, Carol? 291. 291. 291. Yeah. 291. Let's stand together as we sing Beneath the Cross of Jesus.